When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Scottish football podcast, the only Scottish football podcast where people usually prepare intros and this person hasn't. Um, I'm Craig Anderson and today I'm joined by one of our regulars, Tom Watt. Hello. And also making his debut on the Terrace podcast, Ian Hall. Hello. Um, so Ian, uh, you're a Livingston fan, we'll, we'll get that up front and um, straight straight down there. Real um, life I was going to say the first Livingston fan that appeared on here, but that's not true because Callum Leslie used to appear on the mm-hmm. podcast for a while, and I'm sure he's a big, uh, a big Livy boy as well, or or at least was. I don't know if he still is now. He's uh, swanning it off down at the, the BBC in London or whatever <laughs> as he does. Nonetheless, we will get on with the um, the show. Um, and today, um, as you can tell, I've, I've not hosted this in a while um, and I'm not up to the, the standards that Graham and Craig are, are giving you. But nonetheless, we will crack on um, and we'll start with the hotties and naughties. So who is the cake boss and who is the... Cack boss. Yeah, cack boss. <laughs> that was better than what I was going to say. So, yeah, go for it. So, uh, um, uh, lower non league teams in the Scottish Cup, um, Hottie, Pennycook, and and Broxburn all got through. At least one, uh, at least one um, non league club will be in the fourth round, given the way the draws panned out, and some pretty impressive results uh, along the way. You know, Stenish Muir getting an absolute tank in. Um, Cove, High Flying Cove going out um, to Auchinleck. So very good weekend for uh, the lower yeah. non-league clubs. I think I think I think I read thirteen non-league clubs left at this stage, which I think is the most there has been in um, several years. Um, yeah, that, that that's that start of several years. Several very, years, very, uh, very precise. Um, but yeah, so I I was particularly. Even though the Pennycook one was a big result, it was actually the the Broxburn one I thought was bigger because quite often they had their first goal at Cowdenbeath and they they got a draw um, at Central Park and you often think you know they've had their chance yeah. and that's they got either kept Fort William against Albion Rovers and even though they were at home in the, the replay they got scudded five 0 and that's kind of what you come to expect you know you get your second chance at them but they just went and, and battled Cowdenbeath it certainly seemed like both of those games were just completely one-sided affairs because I know Craig Telford was at the, the Stenhouse Muir mm-hmm. one and I think he said at half-time I think it was still nil-nil and he said they should have been about 4 nil down so it certainly felt like a very one-sided game I was particularly impressed I uh, read something about one of the Broxburn players who I believe scored had been on the night shift come home slept for four hours scored the winner in a Scottish Cup tie or one of the goals in a Scottish Cup tie 
and then went back straight on the night shift. <laughs> that's exactly what you want to <laughs> see with the league team. And that's uh, considering I was uh, I was on holiday and I flew through the night and I didn't get any sleep, and so I went to bed on Saturday night and I slept genuinely for fifteen hours, uh, which I've never done before in my life. But I went to bed at eight, and because the clocks went back, I woke up at ten. And that's 15 hours. That's pretty um, good. I, I've, I've never done it before. We were pretty impressed with ourselves. It just, yeah. I was sitting on Saturday night trying to stay awake and then we got to like half seven and I was falling asleep in front of the telly. I'm like, can't, can't do this any further. Um, and you have zero Scottish Cup goals to your name, I I, I have never scored in the Scottish Cup no. and nor do, I, nor do I expect to anytime <laughs> soon. Um, so my hottie for the weekend is people missing penalties. Um not just this weekend, but um, James Tavernier obviously missed one for, for Rangers this weekend. But it seems to have been a bit of a theme in the Premiership this season. There seems to have been a lot more missed penalties. And like Kelly missed, uh, well, they missed two in the week in, in the league, but also missed two in a shootout in between. Um, St Johnston don't seem don't to be able score to score a penalty, penalty but Tavernier in general has missed a few. Three it does seem to score, be yeah. a wee bit of an epidemic of penalty misses and um what is causing it? Is there some hex now over the, the penalties? Is it has it been the kind of curse of Lee Alexander that um ever since she um <laughs> she she was shafted in the summer, she's just made it her, her kind of she's put a spell over all of football to not allow penalties to be scored anymore. Well, I wonder if there's something in that you shouldn't be letting the player that's won the penalty take the penalty. So see that was Tavernier at the weekend. The one penalty I can remember is Getting that so far this season was away at St Johnson, Lyndon Dykes won it ninety second minute, I think, missed it. Um seen it a few times, don't know. Must be something. That was that. A, that was an Arsene Finger thing. He used to never let the player who um, mm-hmm. um I also remember a Kelly game against Rangers where Chris Boyd, Chris Boyd got filled for a penalty and was injured, was getting treatment and therefore couldn't take the penalty and Peter Levin had to take it and missed. Though, so uh, it, it does go both ways because I'm pretty sure Chris Boyd would have uh, had a fancy time more to, to batter it in. So it, it does. Um, I could be getting the players the wrong way round, of course, but that's that's what I have in my head is the way it happened. Um, so what about you, Ian? Uh, my hottie for this week, um, obviously going with something from the Livingston game, was Craig Levine shit housing his own fans by saying that they'd built on the performance against Rangers, getting a nil nil draw against ten man <laughs> Livingston side because they got battered five nil there last season. It's, that is what we're all about. But the good the good thing is uh, the the next Southampton manager can uh, <laughs> if, if they get from only seven nil to Leicester next year they can play. Well, it was an improvement. We didn't ship nine this time. Literally, he's correct. Yeah, literally, he's... you know, you have. Technically built on your one point, a very good point last week with a further point. <laughs> and it is better than getting horsed 5 0 than you did last time. Um, you know, the sound of straws being clutched at, I think, you know, we've said before that it's like, it's very easy to take pops at, at Craig Levine and, and, and Hearts yeah. at the moment. But just because it's easy doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. Because <laughs> at the moment, it's very easy and it's very fun and he keeps providing ammunition like that. Uh, so who's got a naughty for us? Um, my naughty is anyone who calls for Rangers or Celtic to get more help in their European campaigns. <laughs> like, I understand, yes, coefficient's important and I understand that, it, you know, if you can do things that that will improve your chance, your, your team, your, your representative's chance in Europe uh, on a level playing field, then you definitely should do that. However, if you look around Europe, other countries, other like big teams in foreign countries tend to do things like, you know, write off the League Cup because they know that there's going to be fixture pile up. But there's this obsession constantly that, you know, the Rangers and Celtic have got to win every single week. And, you know, fair enough. But if... European football is the priority, and if the, the you know if going further in Europe is the priority, then you know throw out the kids in the League Cup, and if you go out, you go out. It, that's what big teams do. All around, you know the French League Cup is a write off for most teams, other than you know it has it has changed slightly since there, there's been mega money and the reserves at PSG could walk the league anyway. But largely speaking, if you want to avoid fixture congestion, what you have to do is allocate the ample resources that you can uh, accrue over the summer and the many seasons and allocate them properly so that um, you, you put your best foot forward when you can and you prioritise everywhere else. Because that's what every other fucking team has to do. I'm also in a weekend where Celtic have been going on about how great it is that they have three really good right-backs 
not inclined to buy that they don't have the strength <laughs> and depth to play on a Sunday after a Thursday. Great. Um, so what about you, Ian, for a naughty? Have you got one? Uh, a naughty minus week comes from the world of media where Keith Jackson has... I have stolen mine, so we're <laughs> united in that one. Apologies. Well, I tell you what, you can have the Keith Jackson one, I'll go with my backup, which was Celtic fans complaining that there is a referee's conspiracy um, to add minimal stoppage time to stop them running up high scores, which I've seen <laughs> flying about Twitter, which yeah. is frankly ridiculous. Well, I liked it from yesterday, given that they'd played for 46 minutes of that second half. The goal was... The, the, literally nothing happened in that. <laughs> Why were, were, were they suddenly going to rattle in two goals in the extra two minutes that they thought they should have had? And then I kept seeing them on Twitter saying, oh, there were six subs. No, there were three subs made at half-time. So there were three subs... Literally nothing else happened for the first time ever. I saw the pity one minute being given and thought, you know what, that's actually that's right. Right, yeah. Um, I, I have sympathy in the sense that you should play them play the amount of time that there should be, but the idea that it's somehow going to stop you in that game yesterday, there was not another goal being scored if they played for another three hours. Literally, yeah. both teams had stopped trying, as as we'll push on to later so, so we'll move on to the, the one that, that you were also going to give the, um, which is, is Keith Jackson um, my word like there's takes <laughs> and there's takes take. there's hot takes but I'm pretty sure that telling fascists to fuck off being a bad thing <laughs> is a pretty bad take um, I, I am no lover of Celtic of the Green Brigade of pretty much anything that comes out of that part of Glasgow to be honest but I thought that telling, um, well, the, the Mussolini banner was magic. It was fantastic to begin with, and then the telling uh, the granddaughter of Mussolini to fuck <laughs> off in a, an Italian and a sign is top notch. Is exactly what you want. And for Keith Jackson to come out and say, "Oh, you shouldn't have done that," it's like, no, no, that that's that's te- it's fine. They didn't. They weren't violent. They didn't do anything. If you can't tell the relations of notorious fascists to fuck off, well, who can you it's tell? Not like it's, it's not like it's Mussolini's kind of um, silly wee granddaughter that's, yeah. that's uh, working, you know, she's oh, oh. she's working in a shop and she just wants to go on with life. She's an MEP. She's yeah. an MEP and she's a, like a bad egg and one. Bad egg well, like, yeah. It's like the, the Italian farage. It's like... It's, I mean, it's, it's quite a take, and it, there, you know, there's obviously reasons for it, and it generates clicks. And Keith Jackson, to his credit, is getting ratioed every single week now <laughs> on, on Twitter.com. Um, but it, it's there is there's this sort of evil skill in being able to take the right thing to do, and you know, the generally perceived wisdom, and find this like tiny little grain of badness in it that you can turn well, into well, sort of hate thing, it's like, yeah it's like that doesn't make it alright either it's no, like, no, it's <laughs> not, he's, not a, at all. he's a horrible despicable human being let's be honest here, uh, because it's it's the very worst you can do it's like I, I'm pretty sure I have the capability um, to do what he does I, I think I'm pretty good at twisting arguments if I want to but um, <laughs> let's move on to the football um <laughs> So we'll start with the highest scoring game of the weekend and the team finally getting the monkey off their back. St Johnston 3, Hamilton 2. St Johnston, the 10th time of asking, finally won a league game. Um, and this was interesting because I was about... Um, I thought they were going to win. Hamilton pegged it back to two each and I thought, well, this, uh, this is going to be an interesting start. I wonder when was the last time a team went 10 games without winning um, at the start of the season. And had I just fired my laptop up to check this, and uh, by the time I had loaded everything up, they'd scored. So they won. (laughs) So it was a complete waste of my time. Um, So what was your your takes on this? Um, I can't decide whether this is is encouraging for St Johnston or or slightly scary. Ultimately, they they, they went go behind. They found themselves back. They fought back to 2-1 largely through David Witherspoon, who had an excellent game. Um, and then it would have been very, very easy for them to kind of completely panic when it went back to 2-2. But they didn't. They found a, you know they found something else and won the game. What I think... I'll get my concern out of the way before I give them credit. The concern is they had five or six players who had really good games. Yeah. Like, like, you know, um, Wotherspoon had an excellent game. Ali McCann had another really good game. Murray Davidson, had, uh, Stevie May is still missing chances, but largely had a good game. And if you've got players who are, you know, they're, they're all good players, they're all talented players, and they're all having a good game together, 
and you're still needing a, a goal in the last couple of minutes to get through, there are still serious concerns, particularly in defence. Partic- Having said that, Hamilton's defence was even worse. I was and, say, um, particularly in the left back position, because yeah. Scott Tanzer for that goal, my word, that is some rank rotten defending. And Scott Tanzer's a player who went through a wee spell of doing pretty well, but every time I've seen him in the last year, 18 months even, mm. nope, not for me. Yeah, I, and I think the we've said before that there's been worrying regression in the St Johnston defence, which was kind of what they built their sexy St Johnston on in the, in previous years. Um, I think credit Hamilton that their opening goal was great. Yeah, it was a you know that was a really well taken goal. That it was, was a nice move. Though. Really nice move. Great touch from Miller on the way through. Yeah, all round you know strength and and like a deft finish. You know didn't smash it. The, the only thing he could have done being off balance. That was great, um, and credit to St Johnson for coming back. And they, you know, they hit the, the um, hit the post and hit the bar. Um, and I think there is enough in that squad going forward that can see them get up the table. And obviously, they 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 dug in and and won. That defense has serious questions yeah, over it, though. It's, it's not just been a one-off, it's been a, well, a ten-off, which is why they yeah. <laughs> had to do them ten games to... Um, and, and in fact, before that, they, they had a, an utterly shambolic um, League Cup campaign as well in the group stage. So there are worries there because, you, I mean, you keep looking at it and going, oh, they're too good to go down. But the more I look at that squad, I'm are, like, they, are they? I mean, mm-hmm. there's been better squads than that have been relegated. Um, I mean, there's worse squads than that have stayed up as well. They're yeah, not bad. but and, and, and it's maybe too, too much of a negative tone on a weekend that they won. Um, Wotherspoon... Two goals should have had a hat trick, really. Because, yeah. um, I mean, Dre Wright got criticised for, for his sitter that he missed, but I thought he had the kind of. The ball was moving, there was a defender there. That it wasn't an easy chance, but Wotherspoon's a yard out. and You almost have to try and yeah, miss that exactly. one. Yeah, exactly. And um, would have been the second Scottish Canadian to score a hat trick in the Premiership this season already. <laughs> that, so, that. yeah. <laughs> um, but he couldn't, he couldn't manage it. Um, and then Callum Hendry pops up with a big goal at the end. Um, I cannot decide on Callum Hendry at all. He, he's he got all the kind of um, culture and all the grace of his dad. Like, he's got absolutely <laughs> no... It's just, he's just very rough around the edges. He's very raw, but he gets 21. It's not like he's a teenager. But he puts himself about and he's, he gets into positions... Someone said they said on the commentary the technique was good, but I thought I was actually very lucky. I thought he kind of shinned it a wee bit. Uh, maybe I'm being unfair on him, but that didn't look like the the technique of a brilliant goal scorer. It looked like it was a, the it was a fitting finish yeah, yeah, to yeah. the way that it went. You know, and, and, when it comes through four bodies, yeah. and you know, it, it comes to credit for getting it for having the anticipation for it coming through. But yeah, I, I think uh, it's not the technique they teach you. Yeah, but it's so it's a very funny. Because you're now left with that kind of group of um, five teams that are all kind of separated by a couple of points from from St Johnston up to Hamilton, and they've all been absolutely terrible this season. Let's let's be frank, Hamilton they often grind out the wins, and I mean, um, but they they looked abject here. They were they were obviously um, rotten the previous game as well. They're just. They, I still think though they look a lot like they've looked in previous seasons, where we say this every year yeah. and. Like I went to the game we Livingston played away at Hamilton and it was dire but we are probably going to be in and about them down the end of the season and they found a way to win again and you just wouldn't be surprised if come May yeah. there are two points above yeah, the yeah. relegation zone it seems, it seems to be that but you just the the goal the first goal they scored was, was really nice but then they're relying on things like Murray Davidson taking leave of his senses in the box <laughs> which um, is just inexplicable and even at that, yeah, they gave up so many chances to St. Johnson. Yeah. St. Johnson team who are, you know, supposedly low in conference and all that, but they, they cut um they cut through Hamilton like a a hot knife through butter. I was trying to think of something else that hot knives could go through. Hot knife through a nice uh, tub of chocolate spread out of the out of the fridge. But um <laughs> not that you should keep that in the fridge because that's deviant behaviour. But um <laughs> Yeah, so Hamilton, I I have been very concerned watching them that they just they just maybe lack a bit of the grit mm. that they've had in previous mm. games would be my worry about them that they just they seem a bit soft softer in the centre, which is maybe partly because of you know Rice has maybe got this philosophy that he's talked about. I'm not saying he's he's not suddenly turned them into all out attack or anything, but they are not 
the stodgy team mm. much of the time that they were under Canning, but Canning Stodge did keep them up repeatedly, yeah. mm. as much as it wasn't fun to watch for their fans and, and all that. So it's it's interesting for them, but we see this happening every every year and going really I, I think I think it, I mean it was a huge win very early on for St Johnston because as you say there is this sort of little micro league down the bottom at the moment and I think on paper St Johnston are definitely too good to go down but if they can't sort their defence out that is a a massive problem and if you look at the teams around them Hearts you would expect at some point you know maybe they're not going to revolutionise their whole season but and you know they may well finish in the bottom six but you would imagine over the course of a season they'll put together enough to to pull away a bit um, and if it got to a war, they would. They've got. They've got greater quality than those around them. Um, Hibs, at some point, you'd imagine either Heckenbottom will get it to work, <coughs> or they'll blink, <laughs> and they've got better players around them. Um, St Mirren look a much more organised. They, they've struggled to score goals, but they're not conceding a lot. They look. They look like a pretty solid, um, solid proposition as well. So if you're leaking goals the way that St Johnston and um, and Hamilton have been. It is a bigger concern, and if St Johnson had been what four or five points adrift after ten games, it's quite hard to see at the moment where they will pick up six, nine, ten points to to start pulling it back on the teams above them. Okay, we'll move from the bottom of the table to the top, where Celtic uh, made it seven wins in a row at Pitodry. Um, and absolutely smashed Aberdeen. Sorry to sorry to um, break that news to you, Tom, but it was a, a thorough <laughs> pumping. <laughs> yeah, it was a thorough pumping, and it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. Um, I think you've got. The, I think first of all, I think credit due to Neil Lennon to some extent for recognizing the pattern of Derek McInnes playing a. a setting his team to play the same way every single time and not realising that if you do the same thing every single time and expect different results, you know, that way madness lies. So McInnes going for uh, sitting deep, man-marking, um, and Lennon, to, to his credit, completely sussed that out very early on, tactically got his spot on, moved Frimpong right up uh, on the right-hand side. Scott Brown was dropping back into fullback positions because... There was no threat in the opposition half. Um, he figured out that uh, Cosgrove would be put on one of the centre-backs, put him on Julian, and Lennon figured out that he, it would give Ayer free reign to come forward. So it was pretty much, certainly the, the first half was entirely played in the Aberdeen half. Um, I, I, I And credit to them, I mean, Frimpong in, in particular looked looked really good. Like he, Every time he got the ball... Um, something was happening for Celtic, and he, although he was losing the titanic aerial battle with Niall McGinn, uh, <laughs> whenever balls were shelled out wide, um, even when he gets knocked to the floor, he is up and away, and he like back on people's heels, and he was back and forward from, admittedly from a very high starting position all all game. So you know that's the the credit. Um, for an Aberdeen point of view, it, it was just daft. It was doing the same thing again. And while I think McInnes has said um, the players let him down, I tend to think the players did exactly what was asked of them. They were the, you, you cannot play like that against Celtic. So all that happens is when you lose your individual battle, as you're bound to do against players that can move the ball that well, there's, there's an extra man. And for, for three of the four goals, they resulted in... Player A losing whoever it was, Forrest, Edward, Rogic, you know, Frimpong, who, whoever it was, which gave Celtic an extra man. No one pressed the ball because everyone's been told to yeah. man mark, which means that the player waltzes in through on goal or waltzes down the side and can square it. And we've now done that for four years. <laughs> I think as well, when you look at the two kind of domestic hiccups that Celtic have had this season, was the draw at Easter Road and the loss at Allenvale. Both Hibs and Livingston went toe-to-toe with Celtic, got right in their faces. And for an Aberdeen team full of hard-working physical defenders, why you wouldn't employ that approach is baffling. And I think McInnes has, to be honest, as you say, 
he's said he felt let down with Bowes. He's probably got to take that one on the chin, yeah. hold his hands up and say it was his fault. To allow the, the the thing for me was the man marking all that you're just allowing Christopher Ayer to stroll out of defence and that's yeah. the guy he's the most comfortable player doing that. He's there's there were shades of um, when Van Dyke played for Celtic in terms of he takes the ball, he just goes for a run, he just keeps going. If you don't stop him, he just keeps going. And there were times where he was running 40, 50, 60 yards. And a guy who's got that ability to pick a pass, you can't allow him to do that. If it's Julian, fair enough, he's a bit lumbering and he's probably not going to hurt you, but you can't you can't let Ayer do that. It just none of it made sense. John Gallagher, for my money, possibly the worst Aberdeen player of the last decade. I don't know. There's some. No, there's there's some. There's some hot not, competition. I'm, it I'm, was certainly one of the worst individual. I, I realise I'm jinxing this right before they play Kelly next weekend. <laughs> but the guy, I, I read someone say he looked really good in the early European games, and that they've started to realise that's because he was the only player that was match fit because he'd been playing in America. Like, right it's up, quite yeah. possible. It's quite possible. Yeah. I mean, he he certainly looked early on like he was quick and he closed people down, but there were. You know, like one one point where you 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 get to the byline, you stop, and you play the ball out for a throw in by mistake is bad. But I think either out for a throw in or directly to the opposition player three times. It, it, I think there have been some pretty bad players in the last ten years, so I'm not sure yeah, it would be. Quite, but it, as an individual performance, it was it was pretty terrible. But I wouldn't really want to single it. No. It's... Anyone out because it what 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 is equally baffling is what was so successful in our you know easily the best Aberdeen performance of the season against Motherwell a week earlier relied on the fact that there were two essentially two defenders who played their entire lives as defenders sitting and playing like a high energy get in the faces of a Motherwell side that their midfield is all about energy what you're effectively asking them and they've never done that before yeah. and and it works. So you play the same team, but you change the tactics, and you're telling the two guys to to be more dynamic. You know, you're telling them to mark their man and move the ball. And admittedly, the game was gone in the second half. But the difference between having Bryson coming on, who's an actual midfielder who could hold the ball and move things around, meant that at least it wasn't either being launched up the the park or being played straight to an opposition player. And I just think that that kind of thing. Has to be the manager's fault. Yeah, not. I mean, not to not to take much away from Celtic, who were were brilliant and were right at it. And but they they do that all the time against yeah. Aberdeen. Well, it's just it's what Lennon gets out of his team in a lot of games. He's got his faults, Lennon, but tactically, I I think I was thinking going back to the Lazio game as well. Tactically, Lennon is very good. He's yeah. always got a good set piece routines. He always seems his team seems to have good shape and stuff. So. There's a lot to like about Lennon in, in these types of games. He comes out and he, his teams have the ability to blow teams away and do so regularly. And I think had they had this been the penultimate week of the season and they were in the position they were with Rangers with goal difference and all that, they could genuinely have won. It could have been an all nine 0 It was yeah, it was yeah. that that one sided. And Aberdeen, for all that in the second half, the didn't concede the goal. That was entirely down to Celtic taking their foot off the gas because I, I okay say Bryson came in and bust about, but they were equally insipid. They were equally useless in the second half. It, the the Ab- Aberdeen. I feel like they've been gradually getting worse over the last three years, but the results have not quite been catching mm. up with it. And you you do wonder if it's been one of these moments where suddenly they just hit a wall and the results just disappear, or whether. It's going to go back to what they did against Motherwell, and they're going to battle teams. You know, again, it's very hard to judge where they're going. I mean, the results have been okay so by and large this season, but I mean, you told me they watched more of the Aberdeen games than me, but I can't remember them putting in other than that Motherwell game a really good performance, even in. Um, not, I mean, not really this season, and I think you're right, Craig. That there's there has been an indication that. It's going backwards. I think there's been some very weak transfer windows, and although you know, although they brought in players like like Bryson and got and and Sam Cosgrove, who everyone rightly thought was terrible when he first came in, and is now as good as anyone in the league. The 
general standard of players going out versus coming in when you look at like you know Kenny McLean's gone on to be an English Premier League player so Graham Shinney has gone on to be the most important player for Derby this season according to their own supporters um, and Johnny Hayes and you know we're we're, we're still we, we've never and, and Ryan Christie players like that, like that, that that were so important for at least a couple of the, of the last few years haven't been replaced with the same sort of quality uh, and that has sort of been diminishing returns because of that. We'll move on to um, another team who've been suffering diminishing with puns and that's Hibernian, um, the draw specialist <laughs> of the Scottish Premiership. It's the fifth draw in the row for Hibs if you roll in the, the League Cup game against Kelly where they did win on penalties um, and it's the fifth Premiership game where they've scored their first goal and not won. They've taken four points from those games. Um, all is not well down Easter Roadway um, and can Paul Heckingbottom really last much longer? No. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, it. that's the one more dancer we were looking for. Let's move on. Um, the, to go 2 0 up at home against Ross County and then not see that game out is, is criminal. Um, but they've just got no confidence. They've got no. They, their better players are not doing it. And maybe with the exception of Alan, who every time I see him is still showing up and still doing what you expect him to do, which is to float about, play, play a couple of great through balls and do nothing else, which is what he's done pretty much his whole career. Um, Camberry's not at it. He's not been at it for probably the best part of a year. Um, probably more than that, actually. Um, you know, just... There's so many things going wrong there that it's hard to pick out one individual. Pretty much like um, Vela has been been a real disappointment. Um, Joe Newell, likewise. Um, it's before you get onto Deutsch. <laughs> and Deutsch, who we've not even mentioned here, Deutsch had disappeared for this weekend's game. wasn't wasn't listed. Um, so you know if he's injured or what's going on there. But but he looks very increasingly like he's going to be another very expensive flop. I've just never seen, with like, with all due respect to the gentlemen involved, I've never seen not just the players on the pitch, but the entire support so terrified of Brian Graham. <laughs> like he came on, and there was obviously some, oh yeah, you know, back at your old stomping ground, wants to make an impression, scores an amazing goal. Like yeah. to be fair, and should have immediately scored again. It was the uh, you could sense what was coming with the booze ringing around Easter Road from that first missed header when they were still 2-1 yeah. up yeah, yeah. and they were booing the concession of a chance <laughs> and they're like oh, oh this is what's happening is it and um, and then the, the boos at, at full time were phenomenal um, and, and are indeed after Chalmers goal went in Brian Graham I think it's a, a, a bad rap to be honest mm. Brian Graham every time he's played at any level he obviously was fairly prolific in the, the championship um, with Wraith for a wee while and every time he's played at this level, he's he scored goals. He, he scored goals for Dundee United. Mm-hmm. He didn't um, he didn't necessarily do great with other teams, but he he does always chip in with goals here and there. I think St Johnston he, he scored some. Um, Hibs was the Championship didn't do great there, but it, it was okay. And then and then since he's been at County and he's come back in, he's scored here and there. He's, he's chipping in, and. That's what you need when you're when you're Ross County. They've got real striking options. They've they've got um, you know Stewart was was missing this game. Erwin's not been seen for a while, and they've still got someone like Brian Graham um, to come in, um, come off off the bench and score a goal. And then Joe Chalmers. Likewise, um, I read um, a tweet on Friday saying that Joe Chalmers had one of the lowest. Um, like for the goal scored, the lowest expected goal, so his ratio was high, and that was before. Um, scoring another twenty-five <laughs> yarder on um, it, it was a nice goal, but probably um, Maxwell. Um, if it was Maxwell and goes, I think it was still it um, was, um, yeah. was questionable. But there's a lot of space to turn in yeah. that as well on the edge of the box when you're. I don't know if you just go for it's, it's Joe Chalmers. So we just let him, but uh, <laughs> didn't it didn't work out too well. But yeah. It's great character from Ross County. I think it's a team that are full of character. I don't think you can you can accuse them. Um, okay, they folded a bit at Parkhead, but lots of teams have done. Um, but to come back from 2-0 down, no matter where you are, and no matter the conference the other team, you need to have the guts and the bottle to do that. And they, they've they've done that over and over again. Because last season, I think a pivotal moment in the title race, they were, they were 2-0 down, I think, at half-time against Air United and came back um, to get a draw in that game. And then basically... Um, both of their paths diverged from that point on, and, and they ended up winning the league comfortably. Yeah, I mean, I think you can you can almost 
point. Look at the, the the two teams. I think no one would argue that Hibs have got more more quality. Um, but if you want to base anything on you know character or confidence, I think confidence is probably the biggest thing that, that Hibs at the moment. Um, Ross County have been all right this season. They've yeah. been they've been given a couple of hidings. They've had a couple of games when you know the defense has been all over the place. But they're they're sixth. Yeah. No, they're they're sixth, and they look like they'll be comfortably better than the the teams at the, the very bottom of the league. Hibs have had more shots on goal, more shots on target. Um, I think we all agreed they've got a better squad, and they're second bottom. Yeah. And that can only be a, a, a confidence issue. The, the amount of chances that they are missing at the moment, just something's not right, and I can't see how that is anything changes there other than a, a change of manager I mean we'll obviously get on to hearts but the Edinburgh clubs have two wins between them this season and they've played each other yeah, once well, they won those, um, yeah I mean Hibs they won on the opening day and they've not won since and for for a team with their budget I wouldn't say their quality because I, I don't think their squad's that good but they're, they're, it's, still, it's still better than second mm-hmm. bottom or, or whatever they are but for this team of their Oh yeah, yeah, they spent big and and but it's been sitting with eight points. I think it is from ten games. It's yeah, brutal. Um, and and to to throw away, I mean, it's the daft penalty when you're winning against Hamilton a couple of weeks ago. You're a man up. You've had four hundred chances to make that uh, to to um, to double your lead against Aberdeen and draw that game. Um, lose two leads against St Johnston yeah. and lose a two 0 up at home. Like that's negligence, and it's not even like you can say, "Oh, there's a lack of leadership in the dressing room or on the pitch." But you've got Paul Hanlon there; he's been there for ages. Stevenson's still about. Daryl Horgan's an Irish international. Mm. You, there's a lot of players that've played a lot of games at a high level that they should. It's just not good enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else is not good enough is uh, James Tavernier's penalty taking abilities <laughs> um, as we continue the tedious links um, but Rangers did end up coming out on top against a, what I would say a determined Motherwell side um, I think Motherwell their fans were slightly disappointed um, I, I didn't see the second half of the game but their fans were slightly disappointed with the approach they took um, that they, they essentially just seemed to be sitting off and waiting for Rangers to score but um it's hard to know what the right approach is at that point because they take the, the hammer blow. If they go in one nil up, maybe it's a different game. But for Rangers, it is another game that they've ground out, which mm-hmm. they weren't doing last season. And so it's interesting that there's maybe there may be a lot of points better off than they would have been this time last year. But ultimately, is that a positive or is it an, is it a worry that they're not playing particularly well? It's the third game in a row they've, they've gone behind. Um, I think it's four in the last five that they've conceded the first goal. If you want to win a league, is that sustainable? I think it's it's got it's got to be a positive while balancing the Europa League. Yeah. I think the big thing last season was they were putting out their best team every week and still struggling to break teams down and they were throwing on all their subs and doing things like you know like take off a fullback and put another, put another striker on and just kind of naive manager 101 stuff and I think Gerard's learned a lot um he's got a much better squad this season um and he can you know he he, he can rotate it um and they are at the moment doing enough to win games um, I thought Mother, I, I thought Motherwell largely got their tactics spot on, and was it not for you know a, a couple of things that could have gone differently, a couple of things that would have broken their way, they they could well have um, have won that game. Obviously, they went one 0 up, and Chris Long had a very good chance to make it two one. Um, uh, and you know there was maybe some question marks of the goalkeeping for the um, yeah. for for Rangers winner. Yeah, so I, I think. They probably got their their tactics spot on. They looked relatively compact. Um, Rangers didn't look completely at the races, uh, but you know they 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 ground it out and and won. I think on on Tavernier, I think it's interesting at the moment. There's that Gerard's had to come out and say like defend his captain a little bit, and uh, you know reading some of the um, some of the comment and the the 
um, the one that really stuck was this season he will win more points than he loses. And for a right back, I don't think anything is more true in both senses because he does win points. Like he does score goals, he does get crazy, like what, 18 assists or something last season. But he also loses, like for a team that is defensively much more sound than they were last season, he will lose points because he's never been a good defender. Well, we saw it, I mean, you saw it against Hearts in particular. I thought he had a, a pretty poor game against Porto and, a, and what was a really good Rangers performance yeah. in general. In fact, an excellent Rangers performance yeah, yeah. in general, but um, he was questionable there. He wasn't great. He was okay, but... Um, He's, he's a funny one because I think he, how bad he is as a defender can be overlooked a little, or sorry, um, overplayed a little bit. He's, he's still, he's obviously still a capable defender, mm. and it's just that compared to the other three in that back four, he's not defending at that level. And yeah. when you go, when it's big games, big moments, that's when you get found out. And to be honest, creating a lot of assists is fine, but. It, a lot of his assists are when they're already winning, or a lot of his goals are penalties. It's not like he's. Uh, battering and goals from you know open play every every five minutes. It's um it's a lot of penalties and I I do like him as a player, but I also think he's vastly vastly overrated as, in terms of what he offers. Um, he's it's hard to hard to talk too much on him. Um, Hellander getting the goal, I think, is big for Rangers. I think he's been a player who's kind of had a slow start. He obviously was in and out um, of the um, Europa League squad at the start, and he. he had a goal originally against uh, his Fife, which then was taken away from him, uh, turned into <laughs> an own goal. But he got that. That's a massive goal for Rangers. The clock just about hit eighty minutes. Muller will kind of reaching, you know, the last ten. They're you know they put their bodies on the line, etc. And then just to get that breakthrough, I think is massive because um, it's a game as we said they would have lost last year, and they can't afford to slip behind Celtic. I think Celtic are, are turning up a gear in the league. Um, it looks like and. They do need to keep pace with them. Um, anything else on on our team here? I think it was. I think um, uneventful game actually. Like Devante Cole is an interesting one at Motherwell. I think there's something that Stephen Robinson seems to do where he brings in strikers that by all accounts should be quite average. Yeah. And over the longer they have with him, the more they kind of seem to come onto a game. And I think he took. Slight questions of McGregor's goalkeeping for that goal, but if he can start converting chances like that, then I think Muller will ultimately yeah. win it with him. Yeah, they're a good team, Muller. Yeah. Um, I think they're, they're a very good team this season. I'd be astonished if they, they're not in the top six um, come the end of the season because just all the parts are there mm-hmm. or go together. And, and they, they, I mean, okay, they did get smashed off Aberdeen last week, but they very rarely um, other games anything other than close, um, which is also true. Of both Kilmarnock and St Mirren. Um, Kelly yet again um, managed to grind out another win, another clean sheet. Um, it's not pretty, but it's effective. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, for St Mirren, another hard luck story. These are the two lowest scoring teams in the league, but also two of the best defences in the leagues, and, and that was very apparent. The low scoring part was very apparent from St Mirren in terms of um, their finishing. Yeah. Andrew has a habit of doing that. I think I'm I'm thinking it was the um Challenge Cup final against St Mirren where he did eventually actually score a, a cracking goal for Dundee United, but he had unless I'm getting the game mixed up, he had several big chances in that game that he didn't put away. Um and it was very similar on Saturday. Everything seemed to fall to him. And the and the one just before the goal was um, to to not hit the target. But you could see it a mile away that he wasn't going to score. Yeah, I, I think there's an awful lot more that's encouraging for St Mirren this season than their results have shown. I think they're playing well, and I think not many people they not many people this season have managed to make chances against Kelly, yeah. for example, uh, in particular. And St Mirren did; they had a, a, enough chances that they should have, you know, certainly been ahead when when they went behind. But um, you know, they had enough chances to win that game. And they are doing that most weeks, where they're not look like they're they're not folding. They look well organised defensively. Um, so I think you know there's there's enough there um, for them to have some positives. Kelly, like you say, it it doesn't look exhilarating, but it looks incredibly well organised. It looks like they're 
controlling games. I saw, I saw um, a tweet, and I don't know if it had been sung at some point, but it was, uh, we're Kelly, we're boring, but you're not fucking scoring. <laughs> I liked it. Um, because it's, and yeah. and all, all credit to Goal Machine, Gary Dicker. <laughs> two and two after previously scoring one in the previous 139 games. So, you know, a, a rich vein of form for him. Um, but I, I, Kelly building momentum, and I don't know, you'll, you'll know better than me, but gradually... Exercising some of yes, the early demons. Uh, I mean, it'll take it'll take another qualification for Europe to on a Scottish Cup win would be the alternative to exercise those demons properly. <laughs> but yeah, we're back up to third. Um, to be honest, with looking at what else is in the league this year, I'll be disappointed if we don't end up putting in a challenge for that again because the the quality of the players that are there is very high. What's missing is is any creativity mm-hmm. at all. But to be honest, if we win every game one 0 then I don't care Nobody's if we don't have any creativity. Yeah. Like it's um. We are not conceding goals now. It'll be a challenge um, because both centre halves went off in this game. Um, Finley yeah. got stretched off, and he's pretty much certain to miss Motherwell and possibly beyond. Um, Alex Bruce came on, and, and Alex Bruce has generally been good for Kelly, but I thought he was a wee bit shaky at times. Um, he he kind of got caught a couple of times, but we'll be fine. But Del Fabro then went off later on, and we actually were at the point yeah. where we had to bring uh, Dom Thomas on for him, yeah. um, <laughs> which is um, it's a curious object after you've gone one 0 up. <laughs> But uh, Dicker went to centre half, and and it'll be interesting if Del Fabro doesn't make it for Motherwell as well. That's obviously you're taking immediately the two centre halves that have been at the heart of everything yeah. um, out, and and you're looking at well, Bruce definitely, and then one of um, either Dicker or um, Connor Johnson, who's been on, he's in the loan from Wolves, hasn't played yet. It's a big ask to all of a sudden against a good Motherwell team, as we've just yeah. talked about. It's um, it'll be an interesting one. But beyond that, it's just such a solid team. The, the, the fact that two fullbacks are the constant attacking outlets, Hamill Lining looks more and more like a, a superb signing every week. O'Donnell's been great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, if we can just add a wee bit of flair, it almost feels like the start of the season is stopping us from being in touching distance of Rangers and Celtic. And maybe that's, you know, a bit of hubris talking, <laughs> but. I mean, as you say, compared to what else is in the yeah. league, I don't think that really, like. Obviously, you're going to struggle against Rangers and Celtic, yeah. as everyone naturally does, but that game against Motherwell could yeah, even already massive, end yeah. up well, being... It's Motherwell and Aberdeen, the next two, which are the two teams yeah. directly below us. feels strange so to be talking yeah. about a European race, yeah, we're about to um, November. It's, it's ten games gone. Um, <laughs> a team who I think will certainly not be in the uh, European race is uh, Hart of Midlothian, um, who have <laughs> continued to not win football matches at quite an impressive rate. Um, even against 10 men for 40 minutes, um, they barely looked like beating Livingston. Um, but as you yeah. said at the top of the show, at least an improvement in getting scudded for the mill. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not sure quite how well that will pacify the heart support. There was <laughs> um, a lot of venom emerging from the East Stand on Saturday. But... It's not quite at the level yet. Like, I, I thought there was, there was some talk a couple of weeks ago that it was at the level where they're like, I just, I've given up. But they're not giving up. They're still hating on the horrendous <laughs> results. Yeah, so fair play. Yeah, um, I mean, it was, to be brutally honest, one of the worst games of football you could ever hope to watch. <laughs> it's, it's one of those games where we all kind of unite to defend Scottish football when it gets criticised from the outside. But it's one of the... If you showed that in a pub somewhere down south and people slaughtered Scottish football, you'd have to just hold your hands up and say, yeah, that was, that was pretty bad. I think it's a damning indictment on Hearts, though, that not only... Well, firstly, I think we should have had a penalty before the red card. The keeper kind of grabs Robinson round the throat, essentially, and pulls him down. Um, but after going down to 10 men, it's pretty bad that Livingston looked the more likely to score for at least 15 minutes after that. Well, they almost scored almost immediately yeah. after yeah. the red card, and it's, yeah, it's hard. There's just... Not a lot right at Hearts, to be honest. You, you look at that team and you're like, what's going on? I think something that flew under the radar as well that would potentially really wind Hearts fans up is the fact that when Scott Rob- firstly, Scott Robinson leading the line against you is... I, I like Robinson, but he's absolutely not a striker. I and mean, he's especially not a striker when we're deciding to inexplicably play the kind of long out ball that you would play to Lyndon Dykes or Lee Miller to... Yeah. Scott Robinson, who must be five foot nothing, but when he came off, it was our third choice right back that was leading the line, Hakeem Odoff, and 
<laughs> and for us to look the more dangerous team with a third choice right back up front it's just and 10 in yeah it's a bam up of the highest order and <laughs> frankly you love to see it yeah you yeah. I, mean, I, th- I think I, I, I only watched the highlights but I think from what I could see you could tell an awful lot you can normally tell quite a lot about a, a game when the four biggest talking points in the game are all penalty decisions that weren't given and red cards that weren't given, and one pretty spectacular one that was. I mean, if you're gonna, you you can see what what side is trying to do. Um, so, and there is a degree of sympathy <laughs> for what he thinks he's doing versus what his body is allowing him <laughs> to do. Um, but yeah, I think it 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 looked fairly fairly brutal. Um, it did look like there could have been a red card a piece. Um, but God, you're scraping the barrel if you're yeah, pulling that, pulling that up. I, I think, I mean, you'll, Ian, you'll be better placed to to kind of uh, ten games in talk about how Livy have been because they've obviously had one tremendous highlight so far this season, but perhaps not hit the high of um, last season. It's not far off how I was expecting it to go. To be honest, we've been worse at the back, still not too bad, but worse at the back and. Prob- arguably better going forward, although the last couple of weeks have maybe undermined that a little. I think this is maybe a hot take, but Lyndon Dykes has got to be one of the most valuable players in the league in terms of when he doesn't play. Miller, uh, Lee Miller, love him, great, but Lyndon Dykes is the focal point of everything we do going forward. When he plays, we look dangerous. You've got Lawless running off him particularly. But yeah, we we need another body, and I think we've got enough about us to be fairly comfortable. Not get, I think we'll be definitely bottom half, probably amongst it. But I think come the end of the season, we'll probably finish five or six points above relegation. Yeah, well, <laughs> potentially. Um, I I'm looking forward to the fact that I don't want to jinx it, but if things went the right way on Wednesday night. Growing up in Edinburgh, I would quite like to be the team that got Paul Hick and got on the sack. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's, that's <laughs> just, it's good to notice any to leave on top Paul Hick and bottom. <laughs> and we will um, convene again in the Patreon for those of you who are uh, stumping up your hard-earned money to um, get this red-hot content, even more of this red-hot content. Um so I'll just thank Ian, first of all, for uh, for making the, a, a very spectacular debut on the podcast. Um, we'll, we'll thank Tom. Um, you can catch us on the all the stuff. You, we've got Twitter is uh, at Terrace Podcast. The email address is terracepodcast at gmail.com. I think we're on Facebook. Nobody uses that anymore. Get, get rid of it. They're stealing all your data. Um, we are on Instagram. I don't know if that gets used very often. Um Friday night, um, A View from the Terrace, the TV show adapted from this podcast will be screening yet again. Um, watch it. I'm sure I'm speaking to the converted here because I don't think there's many people listening to this podcast or going, oh, I've not heard of that TV programme. I will give it a miss. But nonetheless, um, more more uh, great stuff coming out of that. So before I just talk myself into some sort of hole, I will just <laughs> call it a day there and we'll say see you later. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.